Grab your Bibles and meet me, if you would, in the Old Testament book of Numbers. I want to speak to you tonight concerning our move forward, which, by the way, is still our focus in 2020. A minor setback has not changed that one bit. Our purpose as a church family is to go forward. We're going to dig into these chapters in a moment, but before we do, let me just refresh your memory as to what all had transpired in the life of Israel up to this point that has brought them to where they are. As you know, God had rescued them from Egyptian bondage so they could enjoy the blessings that he had prepared for them. The Lord had promised a land to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He later reaffirmed that promise through Moses. And then 40 years later, Moses reminded the new generation with these words. He said, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. We know that After God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, that he miraculously got them across the Red Sea without one of them being lost. He sweetened the bitter waters of Marah. When they got hungry, he rained down manna from heaven and gave them quail. When they got thirsty, he brought water out of the smitten rock. We know that God led them forth by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillow of pillow and a pillar of fire by night and now we find them on the brink of the promised land so let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 13 and we'll read down through verse 3 and the lord spake unto moses saying send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were the heads of the children of Israel. Then you read on down through uh, from verse 14 to verse 16, And it gives a list of of all of those men who went into the promised land. The first thing that I want us to note tonight is simply this. Moses was being led by God. We just read it uh, where the chapter opens and says that the Lord spake unto Moses. And then in verse 3 it says, and Moses... Watch this, by the commandment of the Lord sent them from the wilderness of Paran. So this wasn't Moses initiating something on his own. This wasn't Moses acting in haste or out of a growing impatience for his current situation. This was Moses doing what he knew God wanted him to do. I can't tell you how many times in in these many years that I have wished God was still communicating 
with his men in such a clear and plain way. Here's what the Bible says about how God communicated uh, with Moses. It's found in Exodus 33, 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, I'm thankful for God's spirit and his leading in my life. But man, it would be so much easier if he would just show up one day and, and say, hey, Bill, let's talk. Obviously, he doesn't do that, and so we pray, and we, we seek him through the scriptures, and uh, we trust the leading of his spirit. The second thing that I see here with respect to Israel moving forward is that Moses had a plan. Look at verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin and Rehob as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zion, or excuse me, before Zoan in Egypt. And they came under the brook of Eskel, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eskel, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So Moses didn't just wing it. He had a plan. He had a very specific plan. I have no doubt but that he had asked himself some questions as the leader of the children of Israel and as he planned to go forward. And he was wanting his men to get him some answers to those questions. He wanted to know who lived there and whether they were strong or weak. He wanted to know about the quality of the land and what kind of food supply was there. He wanted to know if there was wood there so they could build. 
All of these things were important and, and needed consideration if the children of Israel were going to go forward. And then I would ask you to note again real quick, verse 20, it says, Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So the timing of this whole thing was great, of great significance as well. Verse 22 points out a third important truth with respect to Israel going forward, and it's this. There was inherent risk in going forward. That verse says that the children of Anak were there. The Anakim or the Anakites were a formidable race of giant warlike people which occupied the land that God had promised to his people. The name Anakim most likely means long-necked, that is tall. So was there reason for concern? Absolutely. I mean, these were some big bad dudes who were not going to take kindly to someone trying to take the land that they believed was rightfully theirs. So again, there was some inherent risk involved in going forward. And the last thing that I would bring to your attention is that not everyone agreed that going forward was a good idea. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 27 again. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, verse 28, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And so said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, verse 6, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Out of the 12 men who surveyed the land for 40 days, only two thought that it was a good idea to move forward. I want you to note the overreaction and the exaggeration of uh, of these 10 naysayers and really we see it more than this but what really stood out to me was when they said this land and the people in it will eat us up the end of the story goes like this God blessed the faith of Joshua and Caleb and allowed both of them to enter the promised land Now, it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this story as it relates to our move forward in light of things as they are now. So let's go back to the beginning and let's start with this. Our move forward is being led by God. I promise you, church, that your pastors have been praying unceasingly for wisdom and direction throughout the course of these last five weeks or so that we've been unable to meet together as a church family. And we appreciate those who have sent us text messages and assured us that they were praying for us as we seek to lead the fellowship family through the unfamiliar waters of a pandemic. I can't stand here tonight and speak for Pastor Tyler, but I would be less than honest if I said that over the course of these last few weeks, I had not grown impatient or frustrated, wanting to assemble together, but knowing we couldn't. But I can speak for him When I say that that what I'm going to share with you has been bathed in prayer and we are absolutely convinced is of the Lord. The second thing that I would bring to your attention is that we have a plan. Like Moses had a plan. We have a plan for reopening Fellowship Baptist Church. We met with our ministry staff for about two hours on Friday 
following the governor's address on Thursday. And we laid out our, our own phased plan to reopen. And I'll not explain all of those, those phases right now because quite honestly, they're all subject to change. After meeting with the ministry staff on Friday, Pastor Tyler and I met with our deacons for about an hour and a half on Sunday afternoon and we shared our plan with them. And let me just, let me just say that I, I appreciate the men who serve as the deacons of Fellowship Baptist Church. They are good men. They're men who, who walk with God. And I promise you that they are men who have the best interest of this ministry at heart. During the course of that 90 minutes or so that we were together, we had some very open and candid discussion about moving forward. And when we left the conference room on Sunday afternoon, we were all of one heart and one mind. We began by asking ourselves some questions. We asked ourselves this, what is legal? According to the guidelines set forth in Governor Kelly's reopening plan, we're able to begin meeting immediately. We're not going to, and I'll explain why in a moment, but we could. Let, let me show you. This is... is the phase one graphic. And I don't know if you can see it or not down there uh, on the far left, uh, the, the, the wording there at the bottom. It's about activities not allowed to open. And it lists those activities. Community centers, large entertainment venues with a capacity of, of more than 2,000, fairs, festivals, parades, and graduations, public swimming pools, organized sports facilities, and summer camps. Conspicuously missing in that list is any reference to church or to religious gatherings. Further explanation of the phase one prohibition, you can find this on the, on the website, it's under the heading General Provisions, and it says this. The previous statewide stay-at-home and mass gatherings orders are lifted, and mass gatherings of more than 10 individuals are prohibited. Mass gatherings are defined as instances in which individuals are in one location and are unable, that, that's my emphasis, are unable to maintain six feet of distance between individuals, not including individuals who reside together, with only infrequent or incidental moments of closer proximity. In other words, if you can gather with more than 10 individuals and maintain six feet of distance between those individuals with only infrequent or incidental moments of closer proximity, 
then you are acting within the prescribed guidelines as laid out in phase one. And we can do that. And we can do it rather easily by rearranging the chairs in the auditorium like this. I just took a quick picture to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about. We can, we, can, we can space those chairs out. And just in the section that you see there on the screen, we can seat 39 people who would easily be six feet apart. Uh, we could do it by not having um, any nursery or any children's ministries and by holding to Sunday morning services. Now, will there be times on Sunday when someone is closer than six feet to someone else? Of course there will. For example, when people are entering and exiting the building, or when people are coming in or going out of the auditorium, or perhaps when you're making your way to the restroom, But those kinds of situations are why the governor's phase one plan added the common sense standard of only infrequent or incidental moments of closer proximity. Now, someone is asking, no doubt, well, pastor, if we can meet now, then why don't we? And that is a legitimate question. And here's my answer. Just because we have the right to do something doesn't mean that it's right to do it. Because there are some other questions that need to be asked. For example, what is beneficial for the physical health of our church based on the county's current situation? As of Tuesday, May the 4th, we have had 599 positive cases in Seward County. Of those 599 positive cases, as of May 4th, 182 people have recovered, which leaves us with a total of 417 active cases, which is a decline in active cases. As leaders, we feel that we need to take those numbers into consideration. Now listen, we will not, we will not allow them to be the sole criteria by which we make our decisions. But we will, as we should, give them consideration. But as far as the numbers go, we are more focused on the rate of increase or decline in positive cases as opposed to the total number of active cases. In other words, we're not, we're not going to focus in on 599 or 650 or 700, whatever that may be. Because you've got to back out those who have recovered, and that changes all the time. Praise the Lord for that. And so, so we're not just looking at that number. We're looking at a rate of, of decrease along the way. It is our feeling that the earliest we could meet would be Sunday, 
May the 17th. But we will not wait any longer than the 24th. So the earliest would be Sunday the 17th. But regardless of of anything that I, I just presented to you, we will not wait any longer than May the 24th. But we not only have the physical health of our church to consider, but we also have our spiritual health as well. So we have to ask a third question. What is beneficial for the spiritual health of our church? As concerned as we are as pastors for the physical health of our church family. We are equally and perhaps even more concerned about our spiritual health. I just remind you of what Paul wrote in Hebrews 13, 17. He said, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. There's obviously a a lot in that verse, but I just call your attention to the phrase, who watch for your souls. As pastors, we have a God-given mandate to do what is best for your spiritual health and your spiritual well-being. And as far as we're concerned, that would be to assemble together as soon as possible. It's just not spiritually healthy for any of us, including your pastors and your ministry staff, to have been out of church this long. And I totally get the church is not a building. And I'll just say this, the sooner you can get that that argument out of your mind, the better off you're going to be. We understand that. But the church is a body. And it needs to be together in order to be healthy. When someone severs a a limb, the best thing to do is try and get that limb reattached to the body as soon as possible or it's going to die. And I submit to you tonight that the longer we go separated from the body of believers we know as Fellowship Baptist Church and the Fellowship family, the more detrimental it's going to be for our spiritual health. I don't expect lost people to understand that. I don't even expect expect nominal Christians to understand that. But fully devoted followers of Christ know that's true. The final question we ask ourselves was this. How can we do our best to maintain a good testimony 
understanding that we can't please everyone. And it's that question that leads to this next truth. Not everyone is going to agree that it's time to move forward. We fully understand that we will receive criticism. But let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter if we open the doors on May 17th or December 17th. Somebody is going to find fault with that. And that just comes with the territory of being who we are. We are Fellowship Baptist Church. And it doesn't matter if we help people save 50 cents a gallon on gas or wrap Christmas gifts for teachers or change the oil in a single mom's car. We're going to get criticized. We always do. And it won't matter what other churches in our community do because all eyes will be on us. And it won't matter that we are meeting well within the governor's guidelines. It's just not going to be okay with some people. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it doesn't matter what people think. Because that would not be true. We desire to have a good testimony in our community. And we have worked hard at developing and maintaining a good testimony with our community. But church, we cannot be held hostage by the opinions of others. Does their opinion weigh in the decisions we make? Yes. But it's only one of many other considerations. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't carry as much weight as some other factors. In addition to those on the outside, we understand that there may be those within our own church family who may feel that it's too soon to reassemble. And we respect that. But again, we cannot let that be the deciding factor as to when we begin meeting again. Now let me say this. No one will be criticized for choosing not to come to church. Let me say that again. No one will be criticized for choosing not to come to church. Our desire is to show grace to those who make that choice. But at the same time, it is our desire that those same people Show grace to those who do decide to assemble. This cannot, church, listen. This cannot become a source of division. 
the choice to reassemble when we open the doors is clearly a Romans 14 issue in which each of us must be fully persuaded in our own minds. In other words, you have to do what you feel God would have you do. But at the same time, you have got to provide others who who feel differently to exercise their their liberty in Christ and do what they feel is right and what is best for them and for their family. And I am absolutely confident that we we can coexist, all of us, can do what we feel God wants us to do and do it well with the right attitude and the right spirit without being critical and with much grace. And that's my hope and my prayer for the fellowship family. And finally, let me me address one more thing. There is inherent risk in moving forward. This will be true whether it's now or a month from now or a year from now. But I can tell you this with the utmost confidence. Assembling with a fellowship family will be safer than going to Walmart or Dillon's or Dollar General Or in some cases, for some of you, even going to work. And I want to say this as kindly as I can. But if you wait to come back to church until there's no longer a chance of being infected, you will not come back to church for a long, long time. If ever. You know, I know some people are looking to the June 15th date when the governor gives the all clear like she has control over the coronavirus. You do understand that the coronavirus isn't going to listen to Governor Kelly. And so if she opens on June 15th, that's not some magic date that poof, it's all gone. No, it'll still be there. And it'll be there July 15th and August 15th, September 15th of this year and next year. So don't be held captive by a fear that the devil brings into your life. But as I've already said, your being here or not, that will be your choice. Here's what I can tell you. We will do everything within our power to eliminate the risk of infection by disinfecting and distancing. But to think we can eliminate all risk just isn't realistic. No place anywhere in our city or in our nation can do that. So with all of that being said, here's our plan that may begin 
as early as May 17th. We will offer two Sunday morning services. We will do as we did back on, I believe it was March the 29th. We will divide our church alphabetically and we'll ask half of you to come to an early service and the other half of you to come to a later service. We will ask you to sit in designated areas depending on your status. And let me see if I can explain this in a way that is clear. We will have seating, as you saw in the picture a moment ago, we will have seating that is designated for those who come by themselves or those who come with others but do not reside together. The seating, as you saw in the picture a moment ago, that will be your seating. That will be where we will ask you to enjoy the service. Now, for sake of explanation, if someone comes in by themselves, perhaps someone in the, in the Purpose Life class or uh, in the Real Ladies class uh, or maybe in the college class, they come in by themselves. Those are the folks that will be directed to sit in, in that designated area. So, for example, let me also explain this. If, if Brother Monty and Lavana come, they will also be asked to sit in that same area. Yes, I know that they're, they're in the same family, but they do not reside in the same residence. And so they'll be asked to sit in one of the single seats that, that are spaced out. On the other hand, if Brother Mike Dominguez brings his family to church, there will be a different section for them to sit in, and they can sit less than six feet apart because they do reside in the same residence. Now, if Tiffany and Kelby and their boys come in and, and they want to sit in that same row or have to sit in that same row, then they will be asked to sit at least two seats, leave two seats either to the left or right of them that will separate them from the Dominguez family. And so I, I hope that that's clear. Uh, if not, it will be as you come into the building on either May the 17th or May the 24th. We will continue to live stream. But please note, that is just for a few more weeks. We will not do that indefinitely. For the time being, there will be no nurseries or children's ministries available. So parents, if your little one gets restless, then we're going to ask you to remove yourself to the foyer area where there is both audio and video available. And we would also ask you to do this when you're out there. Um, please maintain the distancing requirements. 
If you have knowingly, listen, please, listen. If you have knowingly been exposed to someone who is infected or have been asked to quarantine, please be considerate of others and do not attend until your quarantine time is completed. And let me just throw this in there. Church, when someone you know has been quarantined and they have fulfilled that requirement and they come to church, don't treat them like they're a leper. Don't separate yourself from them unnecessarily. They're okay. They're fine. They've done what they were supposed to do. They no longer have any symptoms. They're not having to take any medicine to keep the fever down. It's all good. So let's treat them that way. As far as masks are concerned, you do what you feel is best for you without feeling the need to criticize or lecture those who do not feel the same need. Listen, even medical professionals differ in their opinions of whether masks are necessary or even effective. But either way, whether you wear one or don't wear one, you will be welcome in all services. So what happens between now and the 17th or the 24th? And I'm glad you asked because we have an answer. We know that so many of you are anxious to get back on the property here at 310 West Pancake. And believe me, we as a ministry staff and as pastors are equally as anxious ourselves. So here's what we've done. We have scheduled a special Pray With Your Pastors event this coming Saturday night, May the 9th, from 6 to 7 p.m. For those who wish to participate, here, here's what's going to be involved. And, and again, it's like the seating thing. It will be much more clear and, and understandable once you come, come onto the property. But I'll try to explain it to you the best I can now. Excuse me now. As you drive onto the property, you will be directed to a certain spot in the parking lot. When a spot comes open... Uh, then you will be asked to drive, to move your car to where either uh, myself and Katie are or where Pastor Tyler and Jenny are. At that point, we will take a couple of minutes uh, just briefly uh, to visit with you and to pray with you. If you have something special you want us to pray about, please let us know. If not, we'll just pray with you in general. This is going to be a very easy process, uh, and one of our, our ministry staff members will, will be here to guide you through. We're going to ask you to 
enter the property from the farthest entrance to the south. So there won't be any entrance area off of Pancake. This first entrance off of Clay will not be available. That will be an exit. So the only entrance that you will have will be the uh, southernmost entrance off of Clay. As you come in, it will take you back uh, around behind the building, over to the west side of the building, where where much of the uh, where the buses are parked and and the ministry staff parks and uh, the the office uh, the entrance to the office is. And then from there, uh, you will be directed where to go. And for everyone who shows up uh, this Saturday from six to seven, uh, we're going to have a, a special gift for you. During the next couple of weeks, uh, we are planning to do our pizza giveaway as well. As you know, we, we postponed that due to everything that was going on. Uh, but now uh, we are planning to do that within the next couple of weeks. We're very excited about that. Um, we've had a number of local businesses and individuals donate toward that. And so we're very excited about uh, that liberal love project. So church, let me, let me just reemphasize the need to show grace toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. There are a lot of things that we may disagree on regarding this whole virus thing and our plans to reopen. But one thing that we can agree on is that we are brothers and sisters in Christ whose relationships, as Pastor Tyler preached a couple of weeks ago, whose relationships should be characterized by our love for one another. If you have any questions or concerns, please address those to either me or Pastor Tyler, and we will do our very, very best to address them. Church, thank you for tuning in tonight. I hope that this was helpful. I hope it was informative. I hope that it was uh, understandable. Again, if not, please let us know. Other than that, we love you. And hopefully we'll get to see you on Saturday night, get to have a word of prayer with you. Have a good week, church.